engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The full number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Well, a federal lawsuit has been filed against the state by election security activists chronicling problems in the primary um, and Atlanta Democrats voting machine provided him a ballot, including the 5th Congressional District instead of his 6th Congressional District and others. Um, Y'all, the media is going to be playing up these stories because uh, they are convinced uh, the Russians are stealing the election and whatnot. But that only gives them legitimacy to do it because the real reason much of the Georgia media establishment is running with these stories is to hurt Brian Kemp. Um, This is an organized uh, effort by Democrats. They're being very open about it. They want to highlight what they believe is abuse, corruption, and incompetence by Brian Kemp. And so they are attacking, 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 attacking as best they can to um, try to undermine Kemp and turn this into an election issue. In other words, we should all care about uh, safe elections. We should all care about fair elections. We should all care about free elections. We should all care about the security of the elections. Now, Democrats don't actually care about the security of the election because they're opposed to voter ID, but they want to pretend to now. The reason they're doing all of this, though, right now is because they don't really care about these issues so much as they want it uh, to be an issue against Brian Kemp. And turn this into a campaign issue. By the way, uh, the Republican Governors Association has an ad out. It is up on TVs in Atlanta right now about Stacey and Abrams. On the 12th day of Christmas, I gladly gave to me. Stacey Abrams is a tax attorney. She made a million dollars over the past five years, but she didn't even pay her own $54,000 tax bill. Instead, she loaned herself $50,000 to run for governor. Nice present. Guess every day is Christmas for Stacey Abrams. Blind ambition, poor judgment, fiscally irresponsible. Merry Christmas, Stacey. Uh, they can do better. Um, the Georgia Gun Owners also has an ad out uh, with Abrams. I'm not going to play that one on air. It's not that great of an ad, but it also gives out a phone number, and I'm opposed to running ads that... Uh, give out uh, candidate campaign phone numbers and whatnot uh, so that the mob ties up their phone lines. So, so I'm just, I haven't had time to edit the ad to cut out the phone number, but you can go find it uh, at the HAC. I'll push it out on social media as well. The campaign heating up, uh, but that's not the only campaign out there right now. We have the Georgia or the Ohio 12 election. And this is another uh, Karen Handel, John Ossoff situation, also, though this one was closer. The president won the... Twelfth uh, congressional district in Ohio by eleven points in 2016, and the Democrats have just barely lost it. Now there are still some provisional ballots out there, so the Democrats are saying they refuse to concede, but they acknowledge that the provisional ballots probably won't put them over the edge, largely because those ballots came from a Republican uh, turnout effort in the uh, in the 
non-Franklin County area, Franklin County, I, I think it's Cincinnati or Columbus, I can't remember which one, that, that's where part of this district goes, uh, and the Republicans did a huge provisional ballot, uh, early voter turnout in the non-Franklin County areas of that state, and it looks like the Republican has won by the skin of his teeth. Now, the implications on that, uh, what there may be, what there probably aren't. So here's the thing. Um, the Republicans need to worry about the trend lines. And there are a host of stories out there today. The media is is positively celebrating that this race was so close in Ohio. It was a special election, and special elections tend to have low turnout, but Nonetheless, um, so Kathy McMorris Rogers, the number four Republican in the House, got 47% on Tuesday's jungle primary for her Spokane area seat. She's leading her Democratic challenger by 525 votes or less than a half percentage point. Uh, it's going to probably be recalled. President Trump won that race by 13 percentage points. Uh, the president's claiming victory over Troy Balderson in the Ohio 12 race I told you about. Uh, but they got to defend 72 districts in November that are rated as less Republican than Ohio's 12th congressional district. Now, here's the thing you need to know about the trend lines here. And it is true. Go back to 2009, if you don't believe me. What happened in 2009, Republicans swept the Virginia uh, the Virginia state legislative seats there. And that was kind of a foreboding for Democrats that 2010 was going to be bad for them. Then you head into 2010 and there were a series of runoffs in New York and elsewhere. And the Republicans actually picked up some seats in those, in those special elections. And they were seats that Republicans weren't expected to win because they weren't traditionally Republican seats, and all of the trend lines, and they lost some, you should know, there were a couple of special elections that they did lose. I was at CNN at the time, and I kept saying, listen, you can't pay attention to individual special elections because each special election has unique factors that play into uh, the situations, and special elections have different turnout models than general elections. But look at the trend lines. Always look at the trend lines. The trend lines are accurate, even if the actual outcomes aren't predictive for November. Well, the trend lines in 2009 with Virginia and then the special elections through 2010 were very predictive, including, let's not forget, Scott Brown in Massachusetts picking up Ted Kennedy's seat. The trend lines were very predictive that the Republicans were going to have a huge win in 2010, and they did. Now look at the trend lines here. Just last year, the Democrats picked up the Virginia legislature, other than the Virginia House, that they lost it by one seat. They picked up the governor's mansion again. Terry McAuliffe had picked that up against uh, Ken Cuccinelli. The, they picked up the state Senate, and then you had a series of special elections. You had the Connor Lamb win. You had the Karen Handel versus John Ossoff. And yes, Karen Handel won, but it was way closer than it should have been in that district. The Democrats highly mobilized. The Republicans have had pickups in several other special elections. They were closer than you would expect. But again, these are special elections and Democratic turnout is higher. But when you go through the trend lines through all of these special elections and the several pickups that the Democrats have had, what you see is that Democrats are more mobilized than Republicans. But you also see something else the Democrats would prefer you not pay attention to. In areas where the president involves himself, in areas that are highly read, 
that is highly Republican, the president seems to be able to generate a Republican turnout to neutralize the Democratic wave. That's something Barack Obama could not do. Donald Trump poured resources into Karen Handel's race, and he poured resources into Ohio 12, and the Republicans won. They were close, and his presence certainly mobilized Democrats even more. But the Republicans still won because Donald Trump showed up and was engaged in these races. That matters because it is one separating factor with Barack Obama. In 2010, in the special elections Barack Obama involved himself in in New York State, all those candidates on the Democratic side lost to Republicans. That's not happening with the Republicans right now, and that seems to indicate that Republican voters are more willing to stand up for Donald Trump even when he's on, not on the ballot. And I suspect a lot of that has to do with the fact that Democrats are making this such a big case about impeachment that it is deeply impacting uh, the president. The, it is deeply impacting the turnout models. It is deeply impacting what we see on the ground in ways that were different from 2010. Again, let me just point this out to you. In, in 2010, there were a series of special elections in New York and elsewhere. And when President, when President Obama went in heavy in those races, the Republicans tended to win. This year, with special elections, when Donald Trump or Mike Pence have engaged hard, they've been able to save some of these seats. And that suggests that Democrats wanted to support Obama but weren't necessarily invested in helping him send reinforcements to Washington. Republicans not only want to help Donald Trump, they want to protect him from the Democrats as well, so they're turning out. And that throws things off. But you know who the big winner is in Ohio 12? Not getting a lot of notice. There's a bigger winner than Donald Trump in Ohio 12. Stick around, I'll tell you who it is. Uh, let's see, how am I on time? I don't have time to get into any phone calls. Be patient, people. I will get to you when we come back. Uh, Y'all, Planned Parenthood is going to run a six-figure, that is hundreds of thousands of dollars, in ads in states. Uh, they're trying to get Republicans to vote against Brett Kavanaugh. I would note that money is fungible. If the Republicans had defunded Planned Parenthood... They wouldn't have this money to fund ads against Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, and, and by the way, by the way, by the way, you should know. So we, we had the polling that showed um, first Brett Kavanaugh is very unpopular. Then we had the story. This is polling shows the Republicans will lose if they pick Brett Kavanaugh. Now, we, now we've got the story from the Wall Street Journal that polling suggests Roe versus Wade is very popular. So why would they do this with Brett Kavanaugh? It, it, it's such, such a such a just con job. Alrighty, I need to spend some time on phone calls. It is 39 after the hour, and the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Let's go to the phones. First to Don and Marietta. Been waiting patiently. Welcome, Don. Hey, love your show, Larry. Thank you. Uh, one quick question. Uh, I heard that some of the people pro uh, that are all upset about election fraud 
uh, are upset about uh, reconciliation of state motor, motor registrations against the death certificate, like getting the dead people <laughs> off the registers? Yes, it's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't want to cross-reference yeah. death certificates in the voter rolls. That's just so ironic to me. It's not even... Yeah, I mean, you know, this gives the lie to the fact that they're really worried about the Russians stealing the election because they don't want voter integrity. They don't want you to have to show an ID. Um, they don't want to cross-reference voter rolls to death certificates and, and strike people from the voter rolls. Uh, they don't want to do any of that stuff, and yet they're concerned that the Russians are stealing the vote. Well, the way to make sure the Russians are not stealing the vote is to actually, oh, I don't know, clean up the voter rolls. But they don't want you to do that. It, it's just... It means this is all political kabuki theater, and it's not actually seriousness from Democrats on this. Most Democratic voters, they're okay. You know, by the way, uh, Brian Kemp, when he was at the resurgent gathering this past weekend, he pointed out that, you know what happened to the black uh, voter participation after we passed photo ID? It went up. Uh Uh-huh. We didn't see a decline in, in black voter turnout after photo ID. We saw an increase. Yep, sure did. David and Conyers, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. How about yourself? Hey, oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Nice day. Hey, I wanted to uh, see what you thought about the fact that these special elections, they're happening one at a time. All right. There's only uh-huh. one going on in the country at any given time. And that allows the entire DNC uh-huh. to put all the big names, all the big money, bring in all the big buses on this one election, and they're not going to be able to do that in November. How do you think that might play out or affect uh, affect well, Democrat turnout? See, I, I think what's going to happen is, and it's kind of, I, I was on with Brooke Baldwin on CNN earlier today and, and made this point that Democrats are pouring vast amounts of resources into all of these things, but they're also pouring vast amounts of resources into Stacey Abrams' race and Beto O'Rourke's race and whoever's running against Greg Abbott, and there's only so much money to pass around. And then they're going to start running resource um, loads that are they can't keep up with soon. Plus, yeah, now look, what's going to happen is that in, in perfectly safe blue areas, they're going to have these big Democratic waves. Uh, and they're going to target some of these swing state areas where they may, like, like Dino Rossi up in, in, or Rossi up in Washington State. He won a district last time that Hillary Clinton won, so they're going to target that seat to pick him off there. There are going to be some others, but they've got limited resources to be able to pour around. They're going to have to. They're going to have really hard times in some of these cases. But there's a caveat I, I mentioned on CNN earlier today. A third of the races Republicans wound up losing in 2006 in that big Democratic wave when Bush was president. A third of the seats that Republicans lost. No one saw coming until after Labor Day. In 2010, in that big Republican wave against the Democrats, half of the seats the Democrats lost, no one even expected, presumed, or thought anything about half those seats until after Labor Day. We're still before Labor Day. I know it's getting close, but it's still before Labor Day. And so we just don't really have a sense of how many seats are actually in play. Now, let's go back to the phones. Mike and Roswell, you're next. Welcome. Yeah. I was wondering if you talked about looking at the special election in Ohio in depth last night on the Internet. And the Democratic candidate basically campaigned. I like everything that Donald Trump, he tried to, to say that I'm going to, I'm going to support Trump. I like his outlook on education. 
I like yeah. the the tax cut. I like this. And if you remember the fellow that ran against Karen Handel here in my own sixth district, Ossoff. Ossoff. Ossoff tried to talk about being a moderate and and so forth. Right. Credit National blew it all away when they run that ran the most dumb could imagine when they yeah, Mike, your, your phone's breaking up, so so I got to let you go there. But yes, you're right. The the Democrats kind of exposed the lie um, when their ad campaign for Ossoff uh, showed him to be the liberal that he was, and that's actually something that happened in Ohio 12. The candidate himself was trying to run as a moderate, and then the outside Democratic groups came in to fire up the Democratic base, and and everyone realized, oh, this guy's actually a big liberal, and it fired up Republicans. They they got to be careful in these situations. They really do. And what we're seeing, by the way, across the nation last night, the progressive candidates, the the guys that Bernie Sanders campaigned for, they all went down in flames. Yeah, you're not hearing a lot about that in the press today, but it turns out even the Democratic establishment is out to get the, these left-wing guys because they understand what's going to happen in November. Republicans are going to be fired up against these uh, radical, wackadoo socialist candidates, and the Democrats are pouring out to beat those guys to give themselves, hopefully, some sort of neutralizing uh, advantage in November. And that actually works against Republicans, that the supposedly moderate or mainstream Democrats are winning. Uh, but the fact that these Democrats are having the Civil War, listen, when you get into November, let's say worst-case scenario, you get into November and the Democratic Party is unable to impeach the president and the House of Representatives because all the wackadoo liberals lost to the squishier, moderate Democrats, you're going to have a Democratic Civil War come 2020, and they are going that that party is going to explode. And you're talking about violent socialists in that party, and that's going to matter, and it's going to hurt them, and probably get President Trump reelected. Welcome back. Eric Erickson here, BC5 after the hour. Uh, the big winner, I teased this earlier and then totally forgot to come back to it. Uh, the big winner besides uh, Troy Balderson in Ohio 12, the pollsters. That's right, folks. I know we're used to saying all the polls wrong. The polls were dead on in this case. The pollsters figured out the right model. And the right model includes, and pay attention to this for future reference, uh, people who used li- the pollsters who used live operators and called cell phones got the polling precise. That it was basically a 50.1, uh, 49.9 race. Uh, it was extremely tight, extremely close, and the pollsters did it. Uh, so the pollsters have been working on their models. We will see how it shapes up for the rest of this year and into 2020. When we come back, Representative Collins of New York is off to jail, as I said earlier on CNN, to the clink for a long time for insider trading. I will give you what the details are when we come back. Running. Lift off. We have a lift off. 
It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to get into the Chris Collins indictment and arraignment here momentarily, but first let me bring you up to speed uh, on the radar. Essentially now up 400 from Roswell. Uh, you were in storms all the way to Dahlonega. And up 985 from Flowery Branch north, you are in storms. Um, they're starting to get towards 85 north of Swanee as well. Uh, you got a little bit uh, until you get out towards Commerce where they're really strong. And now up 75 north of Emerson, you've got storms. The Waleska area has storms. Uh, Canton is about to be back in storms here in probably the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and there are some light sprinkles in the Druid Hills Decatur area, they're very hit or miss down on that side, though. Um, the really heavy stuff north of the city, keeping our eye on it. Although I can tell you the intensity of these storms is starting to go down as the sun goes down. There is the further up you get uh, in Georgia, some severe thunderstorm warnings that are outside the listening area. Uh, but north, uh, if you're headed up north, there is a lot of rain all the way into North Carolina. So, uh, but for the commute home from Sandy Springs really now on 400 all the way up to Dahlonega, you're going to get uh, some very, very heavy rain, particularly north of Roswell right now. So Chris Collins is uh, probably going to jail. He and his son are charged with insider trading. Um, now, I got to tell you, the media is making this all out to be the Trump angle. I was on CNN earlier uh, with Brooke Baldwin, and she had a panel on before I got on. And the panel was talking about Chris Collins and uh, you know, he was one of Trump's early supporters, all these corrupt guys. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Uh, Collins, interestingly enough, they were also referring to him as a conservative. He's not. Uh, he's one of the New York Republicans conservatives have tried several times to beat unsuccessfully. He's not a conservative guy. He's bad on spending. He's bad on immigration. He's bad on a host of issues from the conservative standpoint. Uh, and it's amazing to me how the media is trying to make this a Trump thing when it's not. He is not a good guy to begin with. Several years ago, a Democratic member of Congress was able to get uh, bipartisan support to pass a piece of legislation prohibiting members of Congress from getting rich off insider information in the stock market. Believe it or not, until 2010, it was not against the law for members of Congress to engage in insider trading. Believe it or not. One of the people who attacked... Carolyn McCarthy of New York, who passed, who wrote the legislation, is a guy named Chris Collins, who said she was essentially calling into question the integrity of members of Congress, that by passing this law, Congress was saying members of Congress were a bunch of crooks. Yeah, the guy who is going to jail for insider trading is the guy who was blasting passage of a law banning congressional insider trading. Go figure. He found out at a White House meeting that a company he had invested in, that it was a pharmaceutical company, that one of its medicines didn't pass clinical trials. He told his son, who told the in-laws, all of whom sold stock and benefited as a result. They're going to go to jail. And good. It's good to see the system work. 
it's good to see members of Congress prosecuted. What I think is ridiculous and really undermines the integrity of these sorts of situations is the rush by members of the media to claim that this is about Trump. It has nothing to do with him. What they're going to do is they're going to incentivize people defending guys like this who he, there's no defense for this. But you will find people who will defend him as a way to protect the president when they never even had to bring Trump into the conversation to begin with. It's unfortunate the media would do this, but that's where we are this this day and age. Now, in other news, Senator Bill Nelson of Florida, Democratic senator, took to the floor of the Senate today to claim that Russian operatives have penetrated some of Florida's election systems ahead of the 2018 midterms. Here's his quote. They've already penetrated certain counties in the state, and they now have free reign to move about. That's classified, said the Democrat. County election boards should not be expected to stand alone against a hostile foreign government, the lawmaker said, recommending a wide range of services. So he's on the floor of the Senate claiming that it's classified information, and yet he said it anyway on the floor of the Senate that the Russians are mucking about in certain counties in Florida, and by going into certain counties, they can then penetrate the state election system as a whole. Is it any coincidence that Bill Nelson is losing his election to Rick Scott, the current governor? Bill Nelson is behind in the polls in Florida. I think this is something we're going to start seeing from Democrats across the board. They're going to start claiming the reason they're losing is the Russians. It has become their default guttural response whenever something doesn't go their way. That we've got to change the rules to benefit the Democrats because the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. We're seeing this across the nation right now. The Democrats blaming the Russians for everything. Bill Nelson's going to lose because Bill Nelson isn't a great politician and he hasn't had anyone of stature be able to run against him because Bill Nelson is a multimillionaire and no one with deep pockets has ever run against him. And so he's been able to spend uh, near unlimited resources fending off anyone who ran against him. Well, he can't do that with Rick Scott. Rick Scott's richer than Bill Nelson, and he's got the deep pockets to go after Bill Nelson now. And he is, and he's winning. He's moved ahead in the polling. Most all the polling consistently right now has Rick Scott ahead of Bill Nelson. And so Nelson saying, the Russians, the Russians, they're going to steal the election. The Russians, the Russians. We're going to hear this. Listen, let me tell you what I think is going to happen in November. I really do think the Democrats will pick up the House. They're not going to pick up as many seats as they expect, however. They only need 23 seats. There are 37 seats where the Republicans, I think there are 37 open seats. There are close to 40 seats where the Republicans, it's R plus four or less. So there's a wide range of seats the Democrats could pick up, but there are only eight seats that have Republicans in the seats, and Hillary Clinton won it as president. So they're going to be tough races for the Republicans. The out-of-party power, the out-of-power party tends to do well in the midterms. We've all seen this. We saw it in 2006. We saw it in 2010. We saw it in 2014. We will see it in 2018. But they're not going to pick up as many seats as they think. Who knows? Maybe they'll only get 20. And the Republicans will still be in charge. 
and they're probably going to lose seats in the Senate. I mean, you've got Joe Donnelly of Indiana today saying he wants to fund the border wall because Donnelly is scared in his reelection. You got Bill Nelson saying the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. You got Heidi Heitzkamp, looks like she's going to be toast to the Republican in North Dakota. Now, Jeff Flake's seat is probably toast. Looks like Jeff Flake's seat is probably going to go to the Democrats in Arizona, one of the most Republican states. Uh, and the demographic trend lines are holding for Republicans, but the Republicans have some terrible candidates out there. Nevada is a Democratic state, and Dean Heller is a terrible candidate. And Nevada is probably going to go for uh, against Heller. The Democrats are probably going to pick up those two. So the Republicans pick up, um, what, uh, Indiana and Florida and North Dakota, they gain one seat in the Senate. Well, that's okay. And you don't have John McCain there right now. When John McCain dies, the governor of Arizona will be able to appoint someone to his seat. And they'll be on the ballot in two years. So the Republicans will probably do fine in the Senate. And what we're going to find is the Democrats are going to start screaming again. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. The Russians stole this. The Russians caused the Republicans to keep the Senate. The Russians kept us from gaining a bigger majority in the House. That's what they're going to do. And it provides the Democrats cover to never have to examine why so many voters dislike them. All the pollsters and all the news outlets are so focused on people hating the Republican Party right now, they haven't bothered to realize people hate the Democratic Party, too. And to their credit, the Democrats are basically rallying against the forces of Bernie Sanders, who's not even a member of the Democratic Party, by the way. But it's not enough. And they are going to blame the Russians when things don't go their way in November. It's 26 after the hour, folks. Let's go to uh, Aubrey and Canton. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Long time, long time fan. First time caller. Thank you. Hey, um, saying what you were talking about earlier, you think the Democrats are going to pick up the set, the House because of historically that party out of power has done better. Yes. I think this is going to be the exception to that rule because. There are millions of people just like me out there. In the last election, I voted for Trump, but I didn't believe he was going to do what he said. Mm-hmm. He's done what he said he was going to do, except for putting Hillary in jail. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care, to be honest. Let yep. her go rot. I don't care. I'm so excited to go out and vote for the first time in my life. I'm just going down and voting for There will look. If you're, if you're a candidate and you say you're going to support Trump, you've got my vote. There will be a lot of people in your situation. Here's the problem, though, is they only need 23 seats, and the 23 seats that are most in play are seats that are basically 50-50 Democrat and Republican. If the Republicans all show up in all of these districts, they could potentially hold on to them. Um, the president's going to have to get out there on the campaign trail and hit it hard to get them fired up, though, because the Democrats are fired up just by his mere presence in the White House. You, you may be right. They, they may be able to hold on to it and be very close. Uh, but the data out there suggests, given the intensity of Democrats right now, just in the general election, uh, just that we're seeing right now, is it, they may be able to eke out a small win. Now, again, like I said earlier, though, uh, none of the, the big surprises were even in play before Labor Day in, in, 20, in 2006 or in 2010. So there could be some more races up in play. 
but I do think the Democrats are really seeing in polling that the intensity in already blue areas is very intense. What about the Republican intensity? Looks like they're intense too. It is 39 after the hour. Uh, so now let us move back to the phones. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jeremy from Commerce, welcome. Good evening, sir. Uh, how's it going today? Great. How about yourself? Uh, I just dropped down to New States looking at this rain. I was just wondering, I don't know elections. I've never voted. But from what I've been told, your vote really doesn't count. It's the electoral votes is what elects a president. So if it's the electoral votes that elect the president, why do we go out and vote then? Well, because where does the – so the Electoral College is what actually votes for the president, but how does the Electoral College determine how to vote? Well, it depends on what the voters of a state decide. So if people in Georgia, for example, did not go vote, then the Electoral College could not cast a vote for the, the members from Georgia. Uh, it's all – they vote based on how you vote. So your vote actually shapes the Electoral College. You know, they used to in Georgia, by the way, up until I think four, nah, maybe eight years ago, they used to actually put on the ballot uh, the names of the members of the Electoral College because that's actually what you're voting for. You're voting for the members of the Electoral College. And the members of the Electoral College who get the majority vote, they then cast the vote for the president. Um, so if nobody votes, then there's no Electoral College, and then there's no president. Now, at the congressional level, your vote absolutely matters. And in the state level and in the federal level, uh, the, the only entity that the Electoral College impacts is the president. Everyone else is majority vote of the public. So if you don't go vote for whoever you want, that's one less vote. Uh, to be cast uh, to shape who the elected officials are. So voting matters, Jeremy. Okay, so they're supposed to take our opinion into consideration, but at the end of the day, the electoral is an actual person. Couldn't they just vote for whoever they wanted to vote for? No, they can't. Actually, 40 of the 50 states have laws that uh, the Electoral College has to vote for whoever the majority of the citizens of that state chose. Okay, I didn't know that. I appreciate the education. That's why I've never went and voted, but now that I'm a little educated, I think I might go out there and vote this yeah, time. Yeah, now, Jeremy, so cons consider one more fact. In in the Kansas primary for governor right now, the, the person in the first spot is 138 votes ahead of the person in the other spot. Now, imagine if there were 139 of you. Uh, the impact that you could have in that race if you just went and voted, you would pick uh, the gubernatorial candidate in in Kansas. So it's not just president, it's all these other races as well. Okay, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate yep, it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, most, most every state has a law binding the Electoral College. When you agree to be a member of the Electoral College, you agree to vote how the citizens of the state say. And by the way, by the way, um, the Electoral College is shaped so if, if a Democrat were to win uh, the vote in Georgia, if, say, Hillary Clinton would have won the vote in Georgia, it would have been the Democratic members of the Electoral College who voted, not the Republicans. Okay, I am going to say this, and I don't want to, Jeremy, I don't want to deter you to vote because it really does matter. There is a fail-safe in the Electoral College in that no one has ever tested the idea that the Electoral College members can be forced to vote for the person the state chose. 
There is a, a slim possibility it has only happened uh, three times in American history where members, individual members of the Electoral College decided not to vote for the actual person who won their state. Uh, one of those times was in 2016. A delegate from Colorado ultimately refused to support President Trump, and he was replaced in the Electoral College by someone who would. And there was one other delegate who ultimately wouldn't vote for the president, and his state wouldn't allow replacing, uh, but they fined him. He did not challenge the fine. I believe he paid the fine. But there is a question of whether the Electoral College members can actually be bound by the popular vote. But in... 200-plus years of American history, the Electoral College has never not gone with the majority vote of the states. So you're playing long odds to justify getting out of voting. If you don't want to go vote, look, I'm not going to tell you go vote, but your vote actually does matter even with the Electoral College. Uh, one more here. Uh, Charlie in Duluth, welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, real quick, the, le- the Electoral College was designed by the Founding Fathers to ensure that only U.S. citizens voted, and because transportation back in those days were not like it is today, I could tell my person that I knew was voting for Electoral College how I wanted to vote, and they would hopefully honor my request. Yes. um, Now, keep in mind that the Electoral College, the, the founders feared direct democracy, as we all should, and the Electoral College was in large part put in place to stop um, direct democracy, and it worked differently than it does right now, where the Electoral College members were not necessarily bound uh, by the votes of the people of the states. Uh, over time, it's become more and more democratic, but it is very much a failsafe. Because we have the Electoral College, and it's not just a, a general popular vote thing, it's really hard to steal the presidential election. It's it's virtually impossible, which is why I don't believe the Russians were able to do it, because you got to figure out the swing states, and then you got to figure out the Electoral College members and everything else. It becomes very difficult to try to steal a, a presidential election because of the Electoral College. It would be a heck of a lot easier if it was just a popular vote election. Thank God we don't have that. I have more good news in the Are You Tired of Winning camp. The president has announced a rollback of the incandescent light bulb ban. There, well, he hasn't, I guess I shouldn't say he hasn't announced it. They put it up on the Department of Energy website, the regulatory rollback, and they've taken it down, uh, but it was seen enough that people knew what was going on. Now, it's not per se a complete walk back because the incandescent light bulb ban was actually signed into law by uh, George Bush, and it was a law banning uh, incandescent light bulbs, but it was for standard, not decorative bulbs. The Obama administration decided to get rid of all decorative incandescent light bulbs. Essentially, instead of just the pear-shaped standard incandescent light bulb, the, the long tube ones and whatnot as well are to, were to be banned under the Obama regulation. And the Trump administration is coming out and saying, not so fast. Uh, the law didn't apply to decorative bulbs, and so you can't get rid of them. Hallelujah progress on this front and the rollback of the cafe standards from the Obama administration. The regulatory rollback will be the greatest part of this president's legacy besides the Supreme Court.